0: Hey friend, you've stumbled across the Honest Pod with Carrie Garcia, where my hope is to create a safe space to share stories that foster healing, hope, and the honesty needed to live free and fully alive. And now for this week's episode of the Honest Pod. All right. Well, everybody, welcome back to The Honest Pod. It's Carrie Garcia, your host for this amazing podcast. And I don't know if you guys know this, but The Honest Pod has now kind of come under the umbrella of Freedom Movement, which is a, the organized organization that I run. And I don't think I've shared that actually in the, you know, since we've done that. And the reason being that we did that is because honestly, it was just too much work for me. Let's be honest. I just didn't want to deal with all the Carrie Garcia stuff and then all the freedom movement stuff. And my heart is really for freedom movement. So I was like, let's just move this and merge this all. So I'm so excited that now we get to be a part of a larger family and this podcast has kind of been adopted into the fam. Um, so I, for those of you that didn't know that, that's that's some new and exciting things that are happening with the Honest Pod. And I thought I would share them with you. I hope that you guys are all doing really great. I am sitting here in my office in Chicago. It is raining and gray and there is snow on the ground. And that sounds really like cozy and romantic. And I just want to tell you, I'm sick of it. Like I'm over it. And, and I have a guest with me today. His name is Alex Geller. Alex, could you say hi to the people? <laughs> hey everybody. I'm sorry, I'm
1: laughing How, at your description of Chicago weather. It's spot on. So
0: Have you lived here your whole life?
1: Pretty much, yeah. And this is this is par for the course for February. And it's like some people are like, oh, I just want to stay in bed. And others are like, no, I want to stay in bed and like never get out again. Actually.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it does. It's a little seasonal. I was like, oh, there is such thing as seasonal depression. Well, hello. Hello, little seasonal depression. Welcome. Nice to meet you. Uh, yeah. Um, so you, yeah, you have lived here and here's the thing and we'll do, we're not going to talk about weather the whole time because how cliche, but, uh, honestly, this has been the most chill winter. Like in February, the fact that we have like 42 degrees, I'm like, God's favor has shown upon us, Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yep. Yes. That it's not negative two right now is, is pretty amazing.
0: I know. So I just want you guys to know perspective is everything. When I lived in California, 42 would have been the death of me and now I'm like, "Oh, it's a warm day." Like what has happened to me? I have I have I've have acclimated. I have arrived.
1: You made it, Carrie. Good job.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay, so this is what we're going to talk about. I know um for those of you that have been listening along, We've been diving into this topic around spiritual formation, and I actually wanted to have Alex on a few weeks ago, and it's just with timing and everything, because when I think of spiritual formation, there are two people that I think about. Like, first off in my head, I think of John Mark Comer, which also we love him, and Alex Geller. I think of you, Alex, and I think of you in the same sentence as John Mark Comer.
1: I don't know how to (laughs) feel about that
0: it's a great thing. I think that's a good thing. He's too good. He's really good. (laughs) He is really good. But here's what I love. Now, when I listen to John Mark, he's great. And he's just like all the feels, the way that he talks, he's just really like, You know, he's really vibey. Like, John Mark is very vibey, you know? And he's got this like vibe to him. And you're like, of course, like, you're a modern day monk. I get it. Like, I understand why you're teaching this. And then there's you who is not like that. And it's not bad. It's just you're very clear. You're not, there's not a lot of vibey. It's like what I have appreciated about the way you do spiritual formation is that you do a lot of what John Mark is talking about, but you've almost like made it in a way where everyday people, no matter who you are, no matter what kind of temperament you have, make these practices and the understanding of this accessible to everybody. And that's what Mm. I love about you. I I just think that's such a gift that you have. And I love how you simplify things for for you know us dum dumbs over here, like that's what I'm just really thankful for. <laughs> and by dumb dumbs, I don't mean to insult my audience. I mean mostly me. <laughs> um, so w- tell us a little bit, just first off, like what what do you do? I know, like, what's your role at the church, and why? Like, why are you passionate about this? Mm,
1: yeah, so I'm the spiritual formation pastor at the Hope Collective in Lake Zurich. And uh, I love that title because nobody knows what it means. And yeah. uh, I just kind of get to fill it with what, whatever I'm interested in at the time. Um, no, it's not true. But the question that that comes up with this idea of spiritual formation is, how are we helping everyone in our community take their next step in becoming more like jesus no matter where they're Mm. at in their faith so whether you are just starting to explore this whole relationship with jesus thing or you've been following jesus for 30 years and you're trying to figure out what comes next for that it's all the same Mm. part of this process of becoming more like jesus because at the end of the day that's what spiritual formation is for christians it is the process of becoming more like jesus but because you're always becoming someone you are becoming the person that you will be tomorrow. That's a formation process. And if you are a follower mm. of Jesus, then because of who he is to us, we want to be like him. So who do I want to be tomorrow? I want to be a little bit more like Jesus. And then a little more the day after that and a little more the day after that. And spiritual formation is how we talk about that process. And the reason So that if we're I not- kinda, Oh, sorry, friend. go
0: ahead. No, you no, go. go ahead. Okay. Well, I just, <laughs> no, I, I, I want to just pause you because, Because the thought here, if I love what you said, we're becoming, we're always becoming something. So if we're not pausing to become, like, be intentional about our spiritual formation, like, don't mistake it. You are being formed. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes. We are. So tell me more about that. Yeah. We are always being formed and shaped by something. And the question is, are we aware of it? and how much agency mm. do we have in that process? So I was formed into a certain kind of person by the family that I grew up in, grew up in by the church mm. that I was a part of, by the relationships that I had, by the habits and practices that I had. Each and every one of those things is shaping me into a certain kind of person. Now, if I'm aware of mm. that, and I know that that's happening, then I can exercise some agency and say, okay, who do I wanna be tomorrow? What kind of person mm. do I wanna leave this world as and are the decisions that I'm making today putting me on a trajectory to become that kind of person? And each and every one of us is is really wrestling with this question all the time. It's really how much intentionality and, and energy are we putting towards it? Are we conscious of it? And then how are we hmm. making those choices rather than just kind of being subject to the world that's shaping us in its image rather than allowing Jesus to shape us into his image and partnering with that process?
0: Ooh, that's good. That's so good. So, let me ask you this. So, here we are. We're kind of at this it's it in essence, we're at a crossroads. We can continue down the path that we have just been going and be ignorant because really it is it is to choose to not look at the life that I'm living. Or mm-hmm. we can go down this path and go, "Okay, I want to become I do want to become more like Jesus." Does that mean that I have to um you know give up everything be a be this emotional you know emotional person because i think when we think of spiritual formation it's a very like you know i got to sit by the lake and you know paint to paint yes. a painting and go and sit out in the wonder of god and all of that is beautiful we had Ale, um we had um tanya Godsey on and she is just like all about the wonder and it's so beautiful and that definitely yes. is an aspect of god but i think what i want to ask you because you're a five on the Enneagram researcher Mm -hmm. by nature. Um, Mm -hmm. Like you said, shaped by your family system. So some of that is God given. And then some of that is just, you've been shaped and in your belonging, you got really comfortable with research to stay safe, you know, and in all of that. So with, with a, with a personality, let's just say of someone who is not prone to big emotions. Even though we know you have emotions and you can talk more about that if you'd like. Yep. Is spiritual formation for us, the ones that aren't sitting by the lake painting a painting?
1: Yes. And uh, so short answer, absolutely. Um I think talking about how this became a passion of mine. So I became interested in this whole idea of spiritual formation. Um I was about 20 years old and was at probably the lowest and most stuck place in my faith up to that point. I had gone to Bible college. Mm. I got my Bible degree. I was ready to, to go into ministry. My wife and I had just got married. We both had jobs working in um, nonprofits, doing good in the community. And my role lasted for about nine months before I realized I couldn't hack it in this, in this role that mm. I had. And then my wife got let go. And so we found ourselves working minimum wage jobs, Living in a trailer, wondering what in the world God was doing, because this was not what we thought we were signing up for. And I remember just being in that place and just feeling so stuck. And all of my preparation, all of my my research, all of my desire to figure out what this looks like, I just kind of came to the end of it and just felt like I couldn't – I didn't know what to do anymore. And it was in that season of life that I picked up a copy of Richard Foster's uh, Celebration of Discipline for a quarter at the local thrift stop, and <laughs> that purchase—it uh, is not an overstatement to say that it changed the trajectory of my life and my ministry. Because mm-hmm. what happened is I was reading that book. It's all about spiritual practices and and the way that the things that we do can place us before God so that He can do His work in us. We don't practice these these habits to shape ourselves. We engage in spiritual mm. practices to put ourselves before God so that he can do the work that needs to be done. But for so long I'd felt that I was just kind of waiting on God to to you know snap his fingers and make some miraculous change in me when in all actuality God was waiting on me to partner with him in the work that he wanted to do in my own soul. And before he was going to be doing anything more through me, he had to do something in me. And so this Ooh. idea of opening up my eyes to the agency that I did have to partner with God and the work he wanted to do in my own journey was huge for me. And then as I started to dig more and more into it and to learn more about myself and learn more about this spiritual formation idea, I ran up against the problem that you're identifying, which is it, it's spiritual formation. Like it's it has this very like breathy sort of thoughts for your thoughts kind of connotation yeah. of like- <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. And especially, especially as a guy, and then just looking at other guys around me is like, there is nothing about that that's appealing. And even as someone who might not be the person that is, you know, sometimes in these spiritual formation conversations, it's, uh, you feel like you have to be reading your Bible in the woods by yourself for like 24 hours in total silence. And some people are like, yeah. you know, I'd rather die, and just go meet Jesus face to face, just keep all that. Um, but how do we talk about spiritual formation then in a way that is just like very down to earth, very grounded, very kind of, um, anybody can engage with this. And how do we talk about this really complex idea in ways that are really, really simple for us to understand and not just understand, but then to engage with. So that's how I ended up in the role that I am now at the Hope Collective and being a spiritual formation
0: pastor. It's so amazing. And here's the beauty of this is that you aren't talking to us or leading from a place without having tasted the trenches of deep longing, right? Like from a place of going like, I, I love what you said. Like I got to the end of myself. Alex and I were actually at a training the other day and the whole training was all about like, organizational, you know, building up the organization. And really he's like, there's no, there is no model for building up an organization because an organization can't be built up. It's people like, it has Mm -hmm. to be people that are engaged and we're sitting there listening to this. And he just kept saying, you know, just like when you work out, just like in your spiritual, you have to get to the end of yourself to where you can go. Okay. I no longer want to be formed by By my family of origin, by the ideals that I think I'm supposed to be sitting in. I mean, it's a hard blow to go. I have gone through um, getting my degree and in biblical studies, and I'm doing this nonprofit work that now I'm not able to do. And I'm now working a minimum wage job, living in a trailer, you know, down by the river. Like, it's like, what happened to my life, you know? And the beauty of that and the irony is that, you know, for a quarter at the thrift store, Jesus speaks, you know, like the beauty of that because genuinely, and I and I just I feel in my spirit I just want to pause and say something about that because there's so many things that are offered out there for people to get training and and a lot of it is expensive. And and I get it. Mm-hmm. Some of my stuff is really expensive. But if you have a desire to really hear from God, the trajectory of Alex's life changed with a quarter. And Mm. uh, and so I just want you to know that God will, God knows your circumstance. He knows where you're at. He will meet you when you are wanting him to do the work on the inside. And, he'll find a way like the money is not going to be the thing that detours you from getting what you're going to need and moving you onto the path for Alex. It was a quarter book at a thrift store for you. It might be a book that you pick up. It might even be this podcast. So I just want you to know that like God hears your desire and God heard Alex's desire and answered it with a book for a quarter at a thrift store. I just think that's really a cool thing to kind of think about that that it's that that healing information is not out of your reach because you can't afford it and it, it's just nope. not and that there's beauty in that but back to this this whole idea of, of you moving into this for you then looking at going, I, I am not this guy that's like really, you know, emotional, you know, you are emotional and you've become much more and you've written Mm -hmm. a book about literally called what the feels, which I think is awesome. Um, (laughs) and you guys can find that. We'll put the notes in there and he'll talk about that in a minute. But what, like, what were some of the steps you began to take like practical steps for everyday people? You read this book and then what? Like what, what began to change? What looked different for you?
1: Yeah. And uh, what came out of reading that book um, was I noticed that there were things in that book and and Foster lays out, I think it's 12 practices, uh, 12 disciplines that he invites us into, that there were some of them that were really natural for me based on my personality mm. type. So anything involving study or contemplation or reading, I was all about. And then there was mm-hmm. this whole set of other ones that just felt like uh, a weakness, if not a full on struggle, to try and engage mm. with these things. But the idea that, <clears throat> sorry, the idea that all of these things were important. And then I would look at other people and they would have the exact opposite set of disciplines where the stuff that I found really tedious, in all honesty, which is very mm-hmm. natural for them and they found life in that. And I didn't. But then mm. other, other disciplines were difficult for them that were easy for me. And it was like, okay, well, hold on. There has to be something that's true underneath all of this that really helps us understand and engage with what God wants to do at a meaningful level. And so being able to take some of these things in, in small portions to say like, okay, what role is serving going to play in the person that I'm becoming? What role does prayer mm. and uh, community, which has been a historically uh, a stretching area for me, is how do I engage in meaningful conversations and self disclosure with other people? Um, that's been a journey for me. But all of these things mm. have helped shape me into who I am. And so, how mm-hmm. do we understand? I like to call it the thing behind the stuff. So, if we have all of yeah. these practices up top here, this whole idea of spiritual formation, what's the thing that's underneath all of that? What is God wanting to do in each and every one of us that makes our journey? the same, but allows for the play and the discovery and the the nuance of the difference that we have in our personalities and our own stories. Um, and so just trying to, uh, honestly, I read as much as I can and I had as many conversations as I could and was always kind of struck with this tension too of how do we engage God's mission in our own hearts when there's, especially coming from the evangelical culture that I did, there's such this emphasis to, to outreach and evangelism, and we got to go on these mission trips, and we got to do justice in the world, and how mm-hmm. do we hold these two things together? And really, it's only been within the past uh, probably five years as a spiritual formation pastor and really kind of pressing into this for the church at large is these aren't two separate things. These are mm. actually two sides of the same coin. So the work that God wants to do in me is as much a part of God's mission as the work that he wants to do through me. And I'm partnering Mm. with him in both of those areas because what is God's mission? He's reconciling the world to himself through Jesus. He is making all things good again. So how do I bring myself to him so I can be made good again and also partner with his work in the world to see his goodness, Uh, like you say, Carrie, and and the scripture reference, like to see his goodness in the land of the living. How do we work Mm -hmm. to see that in my own life and in the life that exists around me?
0: I I think it's so powerful because I, I did grow up, you know, in an evangelical, you know, context and it was like, get saved so that you can go save others. But you know, in the past, you know, I don't know, 10 years or whatever I've been thinking, you know, I I started thinking like, does God love me as much as he loves the lost? Like, does Mm. he want to actually save me too? Like, Because even though I've become a Christian, I'm justified. I was justified when I became saved. Like that was the moment of my justification now because of the blood of Christ. But this whole sanctification thing is messy, right? And this process of being saved. But I guess I just was never... That idea did not occur to me. It was like I became justified and now it was my job to go save everybody else by the power of Jesus and kind of deny myself In in the places where I need, and I was, I remember just being struck with the idea that God is going. As much as I care about the lost being saved, I actually care about you being saved, and it was like, yeah, oh, that's that's like a new concept for me, just because of the context that I grew up in, And, and that was revolutionary because I really did need saving. I really did need, I still today am needing saving. We say all the time yes. on the oddness pod, when someone asks you when you were saved, we say you, I was saved when I was four and I was saved yesterday and I'm being saved today. And then I will be saved one day when I am my glorification before the Lord, you know, like we are in the process of being saved. And what I'm learning and I'm learning a lot from you is that formation is part of my sanctification that, that, yes. The, that's what this is, is to become more like Christ is the formation of me being now formed by the the hands that made me rather than the world that shaped me. That's yes. moving us out so good. and from that. So <clears throat> a question I have for you, what was it like in those areas where you go, okay, these are my really strong areas. I've got these. And then these are my really like weaker areas, the places where mm-hmm. I'm not good at. Did you choose to engage those? Did you ignore them? What did it look like for you to, did you need courage? Like, what did that look like to engage those areas that were difficult?
1: Yeah, um, it was not clean. I'll say that. It was very messy (laughs) um, because it was a journey of discovering that those areas actually existed. So mm-hmm. you read Celebration to Discipline, and I'm speaking for myself, you read it, there's three of like, oh, if I just focus on these three disciplines that are actually more in line, and I didn't think it at the time, but this was what was true, are more in line with my preferences than the actual power of the Holy Spirit to transform me. If I just focus on these three things, I'm actually going to be good. These other nine, you know, whatever. And it wasn't until I got to a point, especially when we talk about um, the role of emotions and this this place where... I had been living my life on emotional do not disturb for a really long time because Mm -hmm. emotions were messy. They made me feel out of control. And so what do you do? You just turn them off. Um, Unfortunately, that's not how emotions work. Uh, You try to stuff them and then they come out in the worst possible moments. Um, So I had to discover that I had a heart that needed to be Mm -hmm. shared with other people that needed to be cared for by other people. And that was not that was not an easy process. Uh, that was a That was a painful process of realization uh, first that I was wrong mm. and b that I was broken, mm-hmm. deeply broken, and I mm. did not know what to do next um, mm. so even understanding that like um, and we 've talked about this before of like what does it mean to be human if Jesus mm. became human for us and he is he is in the process of saving and redeeming and bringing all of that back to good, I had to understand what it meant that I had a mind, that I had a heart that I had a body and that I had a will and God wanted Mm -hmm. to transform all of those things and shape them into the image of Jesus. Not just my mind. The mind was the easy part for me, but my heart, what does it look like for me to experience my emotions the way that Jesus did and to share them and relate to other people like he did? What does it look like for me to engage my body and my habits and the things that I can do in the world to the service of other people in the name of Jesus? And what does it look like for me not to rest on my own ability to do stuff but actually rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to shape my desires and to order my desires rightly so that I can live well. Mm. And this whole idea of it's not just orthodoxy, thinking right. It's also orthopraxy, doing right. And it's orthopathy, <sighs> feeling rightly. How do how do mm. I allow Jesus to disciple my entire soul, not just the parts that I'm comfortable with?
0: And why is that so? I mean- like so, because a lot of I would say that probably I lean more towards the um I mean, I've done a lot of work, but I would definitely say that like the heart was a little bit of the easier one um the body, even though because you know you say the doing is the body and and that is, and I get that, and that that's not a struggle for me of doing. I mean, I can definitely do, but I'm not doing from a place of honoring my body. I'm doing right. from a place of like performance so that I can get love, which is really not, mm. like that. that's not whole, right? And so right. I would say this year, God has really been inviting me and in. I've done a ton of work in the mind and a ton of work in the heart. Those two areas I've done a ton of work in. <laughs> mm. And so this year he's been inviting me in. And, and I say this because here I am 48 years old. I've been doing... I've been doing this work on some level since I was 27. So that's a long time to be doing this work. And it is only now that I'm really, I can stop the idea around performing, but it's really that sense of my body needing to bring whole and health to my body. And I'm not talking about like my pant size. I'm talking about like this holistic part of really honoring my body and doing from a place of health and not from a place of bondage really and I say that because at 48 years old you would think well you've been doing this since you were 27 you you really should have arrived by now <laughs> and hmm. it's it's just it's it's difficult work it's hard work and that's what I love that you're saying like it it took a while and it was really messy and yet yeah. still messy. could look still messy and could you look back now and go if you would have just stayed with doing the practices, the spiritual formation practices where you were comfortable, what would have been the deficit in that for you?
1: Mm. Two ways of looking at it. One, just when I think about you know the the desire of my heart to to be like Jesus, um, there mm-hmm. would have been a a maybe third of myself that I had offered to him to be able to work with. And of that Mm. third, how much of me was actually becoming more like him, uh, in all honesty. Mm. And this idea that my relationship with Jesus was hindered by my unawareness and unwillingness to bring more Mm. of myself to him. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is I I was just harming myself and harming others without even knowing it. Like, okay, yeah, Mm. you're uh, – what's the line? You're a brain on a stick. Your body is Mm -hmm. just a carriage for your mind, bringing you around. Mm -hmm. Your emotions can't be trusted. And what do you become? You become a really, really intellectual, a very stuffy, a very not warm, a very not loving, not caring person. And so Mm -hmm. there was a real danger there. And especially I've been struck by this idea of, um, you know, scriptures talk about God teach us to number our days that we may have a, a heart of wisdom. Like we're all on a trajectory to the end of our days. And what kind of person are we gonna be when that happens? And what kind of trajectory are we on to be uh, Mm -hmm. that kind of person? And so to think about who I would have become if God had not intervened, uh, it's a very intellectual, very stingy, very uh, unloving person, someone who's not willing Mm -hmm. to acknowledge emotions, not actually willing to sacrificially serve others because he's so concerned about preserving his own time, energy, whatever. you forecast that in the future, it's like, I don't want to be that kind of person. So Jesus, what is the work that you want, to, you want to do in me now so that I can be the person that you created me to be, not the person that I seem to be creating me to be?
0: Yeah, or that was kind of told or given to me from the places of right. my family and my environment. And I, I just, I I so hope that those that are listening are really hearing because, you know, at Freedom Movement, we invite you into a lot of hard work like that's what we do and that's why i'm not a fortune 500 company because i'm not like let me teach you how to build your business and you know make a million dollars i'm like let me tell you how to dive into the depths of your heart grieve it <laughs> and then begin to like start to see transformation and restoration and and i'm okay with where we're at as an organization however i think it's so important and i hope that you're hearing that there is a choice that you had to make, Alex. Like I I can engage these parts where I'm comfortable. We all have areas that are comfortable, but there's so much fear. And some of this is the enemy and some of it is our own nervous system, right? Where Mm if there's so much fear that if I engage this, well, let me ask you that. What was the fear for you? If I engage these places of my heart, which sounds like that was Mm -hmm. one of the bigger areas. If I engage this, what's the fear? And You named it a little bit. What what, what was the overriding fear? If I name these emotions, if I even let myself go there, what was the fear of what was going to happen?
1: Yeah. And it's it's very storied, um, but the fear Mm -hmm. was a loss of control. Because Mm -hmm. if I can master it with my mind, then I'm the one who gets to be in control of what's happening. But emotions mm. are they just they just go a workaround from your head. Like it's your body's way of giving you this this information that you need. but they just take over. And all of a sudden, why mm. am I crying? Why am I so heated right now? Why did I just treat that person that way? Okay, if emotions are the problem, then let's just get rid of the emotions. And trying mm. to live that way, that was that was my greatest fear is that I was going to, be out of control of myself. And uh, unfortunately, mm. what happens is that in my desire to control by essentially ignoring that they were present, it's just those emotions start to eat away at the foundation and eat away at the inside because they're not being they're not being processed, they're not being handled, they're not being talked about. And so, That was a few years ago. I fell into a really deep depression and I didn't Mm -hmm. have the language of emotional literacy or secondary trauma as a pastor, trying to counsel people through some really difficult stuff and feeling like I'm trying to manage everybody else's emotions, but I'm, I'm Mm -hmm. good. I actually don't need that. You all need that apparently, but I'm the one who has (laughs) to kind of hold it together. And that's, that's, is, is, you know, as bad as that sounds, that was the mentality is this is your guy's problem. I figured this out. and then all of a sudden i'm I'm spending every night in bed uh just depressed and and crying and not able even to love my family anymore because I don't even know what's mm-hmm. happening inside of me and so mm. through counseling and trying to you know have some conversations about this and acknowledge like, okay, no, I have emotions, and not only do I have them, but they're trying to tell me something really, really important. And if I'm willing Mm. to listen, then Jesus can actually use these things to help me to become more like him, not me becoming less like him because I'm out of control. And so that was just Mm. a big, a big shift that I had to make and a willingness. You know, Jesus says, uh, you have to come to me and you have to die daily. I have to be Mm -hmm. willing to die to the person that I was yesterday so that I will become the person that I will be tomorrow. I want to keep growing. Mm -hmm. I want to keep becoming like him. And What does that process look like? So there's a short version.
0: So good. No, I mean, it's just, and I appreciate you sharing, you know, so vulnerably with us because I I do think that people can get in their heads and it's so good to hear like, oh, you went through that too, you know, and, and you're Mm a pastor and you know, you're so smart and, you know, you know so much about the Bible and you're going, you went through that. You know, I think it is just, it, it just makes us all go, we are all in need. That's why I love what you said when you were preaching one Sunday and you said, um, that to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. And he's like, God could have just said, love the Lord, your God, period like right he was like there's all that you said there's all these parts of you and all these parts of you need tending to and yeah. so that you can integrate and become whole and become more like Jesus but I've always thought like to become more like Jesus yes that's the goal but it's for freedom that he sets us free like it's right. it, the goal is to become more like Jesus but not under this cloak of like you know um, unattainable. I I need to become like Jesus because he's amazing and he's perfect. And I'm not, it's no, he's talking about becoming like Jesus because he wants you to be free. He like that's yes. why he's saying become like me it's not it's not religion it's not a standard that you have to reach because you will never reach it but right. it's not a standard that you have to reach because you're so bad and he's so good and and this is what you need to do and this is what makes you a good person he's saying i want you to become more like me because i'm the fullness of freedom the fullness yeah. of freedom lives within becoming like me and that means that you're going to have to engage parts where your body just like you said viscerally fights having yeah. to go there because of your family dynamic your family of origin your you know upbringing your adolescent years those origin stories what we call your ur er stories those ground stories that you have have told your nervous system Emotions are bad. They are going to get yep. me hurt, and they're going to make me feel chaotic, and so we do not want to have them. But the problem is is your body tells the truth. It fights back. Your nervous mm-hmm. system is trying to tell you danger, danger, and then the other part of your nervous system is going, "Ah, we're out of control, you know, because we're depressed now, and that is a sign that our body needs care. So mm-hmm. uh, with all of that in mind, saying all of that and, and all of the journey that you've been on we have people that are listening that are like, okay, Alex, I'm listening. You have my ear for a minute. I will engage the thought of what you're saying. Um, How how would you encourage or what would be your thoughts for someone who's just kind of, like I said, listening to this and going, I know there's an area of my life that I need to engage, but I'm, I'm really, really scared of what's going to happen. Um, what what would you encourage them with just from your own story and from your own heart?
1: Yeah. And I think the first thing is as scary as that journey can really feel, it can feel very lonely as well. And mm. the idea that, you know, I have to do this, I have to go to these places. Like there's a lot of pressure that People mm. can feel I know I know I felt that at the very beginning too, and the whole mm. idea of Jesus wants this for you even more he wants your freedom even more than you want your freedom, and mm, we want come it, on but he comes alongside us to say no, like you want it because you've seen this little glimpse of what that can be, or you have a vague idea, but I know the fullness of what that freedom can be for you and my power is at your disposal as we work on this together for you to experience the depths of freedom that i came to give you that abundant life that scripture says jesus came to give us so the Mm -hmm. idea that you are not the only one who's in charge of this that this was always god's intention for humanity this was always god's intention for you and his power and his desire is what is going to move this forward so you don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to just white knuckle Mm. it until you, you get to the other side. This is something that is an invitation from God to join him in. You're not alone in this journey and you don't have to do it all at once. This is Mm. a process. And just every little moment of saying yes to an invitation from Jesus to grow in a certain area is a movement forward. And you're never going to be at someone else's place. Like if you look and it's like, oh, well, I'm never going to think like that person thinks or f- process my emotions like that person like that let's just get that off the table for a second because mm. God created you to be the person He created you to be. He didn't create you to be them. so let's right. let's be here. Let's be here in your story and what God has for you right now. And so every little moment of saying yes, I have a vivid memory of, you know, going through this uh, kind of emotional reckoning for me and allowing Jesus to come into my emotions and help me to feel and experience things like he does. And we read scripture, Jesus got angry. Jesus was sad. Mm-hmm. He was disgusted with the Pharisees. There was fear in the garden of Gethsemane. There was joy as the gospel mm. was preached. If I'm going to really follow Jesus, I have, to, I have to allow him to disciple my emotions. And I have this mm-hmm. vivid memory of one of the it, it, I say it was one of the most vulnerable things I did in my marriage so far. Is I, I, you know, Renee and I are sitting on the bed. It's one of those stupid arguments that you get in as a couple. I can't <laughs> remember what it was now, but I, right. for 10 years of marriage, to say, Renee, I'm angry with you. Mm. I never said that sentence in 10 years of marriage. And I was able to speak it and I was totally in control. And it was so scary because I felt so vulnerable.
0: And she mm. held that
1: space well, and she asked questions about, "Okay, tell me what's going on, thank you for sharing what's happening and i didn't die and it was it worked <laughs> out, and we were able to have that conversation, but those small, brave steps of saying yes to an invitation from jesus it's not about to and it feels very like um you start the journey and it's like, oh, my gosh, how in the world am I going to, you know, make it the million miles from where I am right now to where I believe Jesus wants to take me? It's like, well, you you just do it one step at a time, whatever that means mm. for that next moment. What did Dallas Willard say? The The most important thing about a relationship with Jesus, the advice you would give to everybody is just do the next right thing that you know you ought to do. That's it. Yeah. That is the heartbeat of spiritual formation.
0: Mm. And this would not be a podcast on spiritual formation if we did not mention at least one time Dallas Willard. <laughs> Had
1: to get him in there. Had to get him in there, Carrie.
0: <laughs> I'm here for it. I love that. Uh, I uh, There was a similar story. Mario and I were in the car. And Mario is very similar to you in certain ways. He's it, It's so funny because you guys are very different people. But the the lockdown of emotion was similar. And I remember it was 10 years into our marriage and Mario looked at me in the car and he said, what does the word resentment mean? And I explained and he goes, I think I resent you. I'm like, uh, okay. (laughs) Like, but to be honest with you, that started the trajectory. We've been married now, you know, 18 years. Uh, It'll be 19 years this year for the past, the first 10 years of our marriage, was me constantly wondering, why doesn't he want to be close to me? What's going on? And I, he told me that he loved me, but like, I couldn't feel it. Like it was just, it, he would do all these duties for me, you know? And then I, in my own brokenness was just like suffocating, like overwhelmed, like love me, love me, love me, you know? And this back and forth and he would pull away and we go forward. And then at that moment, that 10 year marker, That had to be, and I know it was because I know I'm married to him. That was one of the most difficult things for him to say because his thought was she's going to, you know, will she leave me? Will she annihilate me? Like what's going to happen here? And although it was hard to hear, I was so thankful for those words because now it was like, okay, now we can start getting help and getting honest about what's Mm. going on. And yeah, you do resent me because I'm being overbearing because... I I want you, you know, and you push away. And then the more you push away, I want you more, you know, and so it's like, but those things that we think that are going to be the most hard things, and they are hard. It's hard to say I'm angry. It's hard to say I resent you. It's hard to step in and go, I'm going to engage the story work of my family of origin. I'm going to engage a story where I know there is pain, but I'm going to engage it because God's inviting me into it. And although it feels really scary on this front end, and it will be hard and messy through it, I am going to trust that God's invitation is always going to lead me to more freedom. And wherever you are listening to this, I want you to hear what Alex is saying. Like, you know, Alex just, he just didn't smart his way to Jesus. And he's one of the smartest guys I know, but he didn't smart his way to Jesus. That was a, beautiful part. it's a beautiful part of you, but there's also these other parts of you that laid dormant th- because of of harm in your family of origin and things like this. And because you've chosen to engage them, a whole world has opened up. You are becoming whole in the process of this, you know, and there's just, I, I just hope that those that are listening to this understand that spiritual formation is not this thing that's just like in the heavens, in the clouds that we kind of can't grab a hold of. It's elusive. Um, and no, it's tangible and it's tangible through mm-hmm. the, the next right thing that God's inviting you into. And here's a question I have. You may not know the answer to this, which I love when you, I know you love when I ask stuff like this, but um, <laughs> what? how would I know what the right next step is? Like, how do I discern what the right next step is for me? Because everything can feel like I should engage this. I should do this. I should be here. Right. Like, that, I need to do this. How how do you start beginning to kind of even contextualize going, okay, there's a lot of things I want to become and there's a lot of things I need forming in. How do I know how to discern what the right next step is?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a good question. and And the answer is very unsatisfactory because Mm -hmm. it's practice. And uh, Mm. it's learning how to listen enough and to be able to be open enough to say, okay, I know I can't work on everything all at once. And if you try to do Mm -hmm. something about everything, you're going to end up doing nothing. And so again, that pressure to like, oh my gosh, there's so many areas where I feel like Jesus needs to work on me. What do I say yes to? Is to be able to ask and really pray. Because this is the thing is, Spiritual formation is way more a work of the Holy Spirit than it is a work of humans. And we Ooh. partner with the Holy Spirit to work on that. He gives us that that um, the dignity of that, of being able to be part of that process. And so we have to keep going to him. And we have to ask, okay, in prayer, Holy Spirit, what is the decision that you would have me to make next? and that goes in concert with regularly being in god's word, so that we can get to know god's character because when you get to know someone's Mm -hmm. character you have a better idea of what they're going to do in a certain situation i i I know my wife and even if she's not in the room when a question is asked or something happened i have a pretty good guess of here's what renee would say in this situation here's what she would do in this situation Mm -hmm. same thing as we get to know jesus and all the more so because we have his spirit inside of us okay based on what i know about jesus How would he respond to the situation? How would he talk to this Mm. person? What decision would he make in this this space? I can imagine what that's like. And not only can I imagine it, but I have the power of the Holy Spirit to give me the courage to do that. Two things I pray for constantly, clarity and courage. God, what do you want me Mm. to do? That's the clarity. And then would you give me the strength to do it? That's the courage piece. We need God's word to inform us of God's character. We need God's people to be the ones that pour courage into us because we can know the right thing we need to do. They're the ones that can Mm. really help us actually make that decision. And then we just need to do it. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, again, there's no easy answers of like, I wish, I cannot tell you how much I wish that I had a rubric or a flow chart or something to say, hey, if you just use this (laughs) in any situation you're in, you're going to know exactly what God wants you to do. But that's not relationships. Mm -hmm. Relationships don't work with flow charts. They work through a dynamic Mm. interaction. So-
0: Mm. Oh, it's so good. I love that you play. So just once again, you pray for clarity and courage. Those are the two things that you pray for clarity. clarity God, what do you want me to do? Encourage, give me the courage to do it. And yeah. I think, I think that alone is, it, it really is. That's your next step. Pray for clarity, ask for courage. You know, it's right there where, you know, I, I just don't think that the Holy Spirit, um, is trying to mess with you. I don't think that he's, hmm. I don't think Jesus uh, is mean. I don't think he's like, you know, let's see if they can figure out this maze. Like that's that's just not the heart of Jesus. If we slow down long enough, I do feel like there is like this knowing in your gut, I'm, I think I'm supposed to engage this. And yep. usually that's gonna come with a lot of resistance in your body mm-hmm. and in your spirit. And that's where it's that's where you go. Okay, clarity and courage. Clarity, encourage. Clarity, encourage. But if if it feels pretty easy, and I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to do easy things, but if it p- feels pretty easy, you're like, okay, keep going, keep going. That's great, keep doing that. But where in your spirit, your body, your heart, does there feel curiosity and also some trepidation? Um, it, it, that trep, that that curiosity is the prayer for clarity, right? Help me to know what to do. Mm-hmm. I feel curious about this. So here's my clarity. God, give me you know, clarity on what to do. I feel curious. There's something going on inside me. A- and then, you know, the trepidation is really praying the courage, right? Like, And then the mm-hmm. courage to do it. And so I think those two markers, where am I curious and where does it kind of accompany some fear? Like some like, okay, there's something going on. There's a response to this invitation. And the response is often kind of the like, Ooh, okay, this feels scary. So then we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit for clarity and courage, and and then we step in. And and I just want to encourage you, too, if you heard what Alex said, he did not do all the things, the 12 things that even Foster wrote, right? That was his name, Foster? Uh, Mm -hmm. The 12 things that Foster wrote, he didn't go, all right, this week. I'm doing, you know, three things each day so I can get all 12 done or whatever. That's not even good math, but you know what I'm saying? Um, But like, you know, he's like, he didn't do that. He was like, I, he started with the things that he felt good about. And I think Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. He started with the things that he felt good about and then, but he kept coming to the Lord. He kept asking and going, okay, I see these other, you know, seven over here that I'm not really good at, but I keep looking at them. I keep side-eyeing them. Okay. They're there. I'm feeling more curious. I'm feeling more ready. All right. I'm going to engage one. And it's going to be really scary. It's going to be really hard. And, and, but, but now you've come to the point where here's a guy who didn't even want to talk about emotions and now you wrote a book
1: <laughs> called. What, we already
0: named it. It does. How do you feels? called – it? What's the name of it? What the fields, baby. Feels? <laughs> which is just so great, and it's it's a small book, which I which I had to have had a couple of um, people buy this and they've they've told me because I'm friends with you. I bought Alex's book. It's only like 100 pages. I was able to read these. They're like, I keep it, one girl said. I'm keeping it in my purse because it can fit in my purse so that I can reference that and ask these... Because you have these... My favorite part of the whole book, the whole thing is really great and I'm going to have you explain it. But my favorite part is the diagnostic question. So tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about this book and why 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 this book needed to be written
1: yeah so uh what the feels the subtitle how to own your emotions without letting them own you and this is my Mm. attempt to kind of take all of the work personal work that i've done and really bring it to the surface of like okay if i'm gonna have this conversation with and and i just think about guys like me like just guys like you're told you're supposed yeah. to get in touch with your feelings and like I don't even know what a feeling is like right. how do I even I'm talking about am supposed to be emotionally intelligent emotionally literate and then I get past these books that are like 300 pages long and I'm like I'm not doing that well I would but probably not someone else in my <laughs> seat but this idea of how do we just boil this down to like hey how can we talk about emotions in a way that doesn't feel touchy-feely in a way that helps us understand why do we have these things in the first place, and then just some really simple steps on what we do about it. And so I wrote Mm. What the Feels and really just introducing emotions as crucial bits of information that don't require your brain. They are your body's way Mm. of giving you data that is supposed to help you make good decisions. Now, your emotions can't be the things that you trust for direction in your life, But you also can't treat them as distractions. You have to listen to them, but you're the one who has the power to make decisions. And then we go through and we talk about the big five emotions with just like really simple definitions. Anger. Anger is what you feel when you don't get what you want. Fear is what you feel when you might be in danger. Sadness is what you feel when you lose something. Disgust is what you feel when something could be toxic to your health or your reputation or your character. And then happiness is what you feel when you get what you want. And when you have these kind mm. of different defini- definitions and you no know, for guys like me, it's like, when you ask me how I feel, Renee and I do this all the time. She'll ask how I feel. And I say, I don't know. I haven't thought about it yet, but <laughs> if, right. But if I have a, if I have a, if I have a way of understanding, okay, what is anger? Then I can ask some questions about the things that happen. You mentioned these diagnostic questions. Like if, if you ask me, how are you feeling? That kind of feels invasive. Like, I don't know yet. Mm. I actually feel stupid that you're asking that question because Mm. I don't even know how to respond. But if I can ask the question, okay, if anger is what you feel when you don't get what you want, did I have any desires or expectations that weren't met in this situation? Well, yeah, it was this and it was this and it was this. Oh, I'm feeling angry. Now that Mm. I can name it, I know what to do about it. And so what the feels is really my attempt to try and bring all of this down to some really practical helpful stuff. I I call it a one-sit read that you can reference for the rest of your life. That was the goal for this mm-hmm. because I think if we can just get people started on this journey, then it's that one step in the in the in the right direction. So that's kind of the mm-hmm. overview of the book.
0: Oh, it's great. I love that. Um and, and truly I, I have it. I'm actually looking at my bookshelf. I can see it right now. Uh, i've actually hired alex to write um, for our uh, certificate program for those of you that are wanting to be um, move more into what we call a freedom coach helping um, people navigate their trauma and their hurt and really holistically heal in their body mind and spirit um, so that they can know the will of God for their lives uh, I was like man i really want alex to come and write for one of our um, one of our weekends and so he did and and if you are a part of that, you actually are going to get his What the Feels book for free when you join that, which is pretty exciting when you join our certificate program. But it's that good. Like, I was like, we have to give this out to people. I have used these questions on my teenage boy So much because when I ask writer, especially writer, what do you feel? Writer is this is a five enneagram. So I pick Alex Brain all the time about how to reach my son's heart. (laughs) And when I'm like, how do you feel? He literally looks at me almost with disdain, just like you said, I don't know. And I'm like, you know, for the longest time, like, you have to know, like, are you angry? Are you happy? He's like, I don't know. And, and I, maybe he does know, but it was like, yeah, it's invasive. But when I was able, I just asked him this the other day, he kind of got annoyed with me, but that's because I was pushing a little bit, but I did say, I said, do you feel like you've lost something that you, you know, you had an expectation and you lost, or you lost something. So I was asking him two different questions and And he was like, I don't feel like I've lost anything. I was like, did you expect something to happen that didn't happen? He was like, well, yeah, I expected them to act like this. And they didn't act like this. I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, okay, he's angry. (laughs) Like, like, I just didn't know how, like, because to me, that would make me sad what I was thinking, like, he must be really sad. No, he's actually really angry. And so that was super, super helpful. Where can they get these books, Alex? Because you've also, you've written written another book. Alex and I, we're going to talk about this more. I'm going to bring Alex back on the podcast in a few months. And we're going to talk about the storyline because we wrote, Alex and I actually wrote a book together and it's called Storyline and it's amazing. And I'm so proud of it. But I want to bring him on another time to talk about that because it's like it deserves its own podcast. Um, but <laughs> where can they get the, the, what the feels book?
1: Yeah. So what the feels, you can find that on Amazon, or you can also find it on my site, alexgowler.com slash feels.
0: Slash feels. Perfect. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for, I can attest to your vulnerability, your emotional languaging. Um It, I don't know Alex before this. I don't know pre what the feels, Alex. I don't know him. Um, you've only told me uh, about him, but to watch even in this past when I first met you and you know, you've know you done story work with me, you've really chose to dive into your story, to look at all aspects and to see where you have come even in that amount of time and allowing your heart to really be tended to in a vulnerable way um, has just really been encouraging to me. And it's just given me a lot of hope, a lot of hope Mm. for men. And um, so thank you for that. And thanks for being on the podcast. I love you dearly. Thank
1: you, Carrie. A lot
0: of fun. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Remember that you guys, uh, it is so helpful when you review this podcast and when you subscribe to it. We love when you share it on social media. It means a lot that we get um, just people coming and hearing about the honest truth of the places where we are so that we can become more like Jesus. So hope you guys have a good week. are so thankful for the talented Tanya Godsey offering her amazing music with us. You can find Tanya on Spotify and other streaming platforms. And hey, we would love to answer any questions you may have for us right here on the show. So you can send us those questions to hello at the honest podcast.com. And as always, thank you for letting us share about the not so easy stories that make us and entering into the honesty and courage it takes to love who you were created to be. So until the next time, friends, may God's love and kindness be an offering to your heart, both now and always.